Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the Weekend Recap. And we are talking everything and anything about UFC Las Vegas Mm. and Bellator 292. Mm. Lots of takeaways, the good, the bad, the ugly, all this and more. And it all starts right now. Mm. Welcome back, everybody. Coming in a little more aggressive today. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us for this recap edition of the show. Mm. I'm one half of your hosting duo, Noah Baker. Mm-hmm. The man to my right, my brother in arms in terms of uh, the Carhartt bros, as uh, mm. we are now known. He is fresh off the road mm-hmm. from a great old trip down south to Tennessee. Dominic, how was the trip? How was the trip back? How are you feeling? A lot of fights that were going on this weekend. You had to kind of weave your way between being <laughs> present in the moment yep. and being obviously present for the fight. So how are you able to manage it all? Just let us know. All in all, I think I did well. I think I did okay. Enough to bring you guys a hell of an episode as we always do. It was a great weekend. That place down in Nashville, man, for those that haven't been, it's fun. I definitely recommend it. It's a good time. Don't even have to be a fan of country music either. You just you go down there, you listen to good time or listen to good music, have good times with good people. Uh, so had the family down there with me. Also, shout out to the wonderful girly, Jaden. I know you're probably listening. Celebrated our one year as we were down there together. Yeah, I didn't Nashville. realize that that was coming up. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a perfect little. Um, it does. Once timing. I saw the, I think her post that said that. Yeah, I thought back and I was like, wait a minute, it was last Christmas when I, your mom had posted the pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, you two were together. <laughs> and you guys don't know this because this happened off recording, but I may or may not have figuratively shoved my foot up Dom's ass for not telling me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that was, it doesn't make sense. It's been a year. It's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. Again, one year. Again, yeah, again, a year. But uh, it was great. So cheers to maturing and age as well. But it, it was awesome. It was a great time filled with uh, just love and quality time. That's what it's all about. Life's about quality time with quality people. It was fun. And now I'm here getting quality time from afar, of course. But quality time nonetheless with the wonderful co-host Noah Baker. How was your weekend in Indiana? Anything fun or were you completely indulged in MMA and sports betting, of course. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much all I did. I did go grocery shopping, which I just mm. hate. I hate mm. doing it. Um, sometimes if I'm like really lazy or, you know, I don't feel like, like when I get off work mm. and I need to go grocery shopping, I kid you not, I'll come home and I'll do the app. Like it's like a version yeah. of DoorDash, but for groceries. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm like, you know what? Someone else go do this for me. I just really don't feel like it. But yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, since it's the weekend, you know, I woke up at probably about 1030. That's the go-to went, time. You know, went yeah. to Meyer. Um, I just hate it. And then you have to carry everything up, you know, <laughs> living on the third floor. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I'm not buying the big cases of waters anymore. That was the... The real struggle was you have to build when you have like to, a, when you have like to make two system. trips. Yeah, when you have to make two trips, yeah. that's the pain. And I refuse to make two trips. So oh. Dominic, I got bet. I got 
five bags on each arm. I got yeah. bags. I'm I'm holding bags in my mouth. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a mess. As you should. But I, I imagine my weekend was a little more quaint compared <laughs> to your guys's. If there's one thing I know about Jaden, she is the life of the party. <laughs> yeah. So being with her on Broadway, I imagine was quite the trip. Nonstop um, action. <laughs> yeah, of course. And it's a shame that uh, she did not take you to Robert's Western World. <laughs> um, she did make it clear that she went there uh, yes. the, when we were together watching UFC 285. So that tells me that she just hated the place. And that, you know, <laughs> that bothers yeah. me because I, I gave her the recommendation. But, true, you true. know, whatever, whatever. Uh, Nudies is cool. You know, all those places no. are pretty cool. So with that, Dominic, I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad you guys got back in one piece. Thank you. Yep. We can talk about that MMA action that Accord, Accord occurred Accord. this weekend. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's start with the UFC main event, Dominic. And, you know, we talked about it on Thursday. This, I, Oh, by the way, he's more machine now than men. If you can name where that movie's from, the quote that that movie is from, then points to you. Points. Free shirt down the line some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had talked about this on, well, now Wednesday, I guess, but Friday yeah. when you guys saw it. This idea that this was the third straight fight, I mean, even maybe more than that, but the third straight fight where Jan was going in as a pretty heavy betting favorite. And the previous two tries at being that, he had lost. And mm. even if you want to dispute the Sean O'Malley loss, it was a very close fight, even though he was like a minus four, 450 or something like yeah. that yeah. going in. So once again, he loses. And Dominic, I think this is the most thorough loss of his career here to Marab Dwali mm. mm. uh, Dom or uh, Jan had three losses before this fight. One was a DQ, or no, excuse me. I think he had four before this fight in his entire career. He yeah, had the he loss had to Rafael yeah. Stotts. Way back, um, yeah. One DQ loss and three split decisions. If that don't tell you how competitive <laughs> all of his fights have been yep. through his career, Yep. then I don't know what does. And yet here he got completely, completely outworked from pillar to post, from start to finish, 50-45s across the board mm. for Marab. The best performance of Marab's young career. A, in a lot of ways, a legacy-making performance to really establish himself for any naysayers that were left about Marab, who saw the Jose Aldo performance and said, this guy is boring. Yeah. He's catching Jose on the way down. Yeah. He, yeah. he went over like 17 on takedowns in that fight. You know, he's not going to be able to do it against a guy like Jan, who's so much better at this point. And Dominic, I think he set a record for takedown attempts for one. And, People said at the end of the first round, he can't keep this pace up. There's no shot. There's no shot he can keep this up for 20 more minutes. Dominic, if it tells you anything, at the end of the fight, Jan looked like he was much more exhausted than Marab was, and Marab did not slow down for a single second. Yeah. So my question for you, I wanted to, of course, give your thoughts on this performance for Marab, and we can kind of get more into you know what this fight really does for him. And, you know, there's obviously some very interesting elements to that question. And then we can get into a little bit about Jan and kind of where this puts him now, losing four of his last five. 
Yeah, that's a that's crazy to say that too, mm. because you, I, especially for you, you're you're you've always been so high on yeah. Jan. But the flowers, of course, go to Marab first and foremost. What a workhorse! There's not an engine or a motor in the UFC, maybe an MMA that runs like Marab's. I mean, it's just insane. Forty nine takedown attempts. Forty nine takedown attempts. That's almost ten per round. <laughs> he was one shy of averaging ten takedown attempts per round. And he landed 11 of them. I don't care what that percentage is. Those are insane numbers. And I'm going to not go like too crazy with this statement, but let's be honest here. It was his most complete performance, I think, as an all-around skill set that we've ever seen. Because on paper, he should have not even really been competitive on the feet with a guy like mm -hmm. Peter Jan. And I'm not saying he like worked him and outclassed him on the feet, but he held his own. He did damage. The calf kicks were very good. Well, he basically, Dominic, I, I would say I mean, he got the better of the striking yes, because yes. <laughs> ultimately Jan was so had to be so yes. respectful of the takedowns. It opens up everything else. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, I mean, what a performance! And if this isn't a title shot earning performance, regardless of weight class, I don't know what you want to see. If you had questions about Marab's skills, about his you know, cardio, anything. Cause this was his first main event going five rounds. I feel like he answered every question. I, I love that. We kind of have talked about that the last two weeks with some of these main events, what questions were answered, what questions are left afterwards. I like that. Maybe that's a new wrinkle we add to the show, mm. but he answered a lot, man, for me. And uh, don't get me wrong. The Jose fight was not fun from a fan perspective, but it still at least showed Marab's so strong. And he is just a good fighter, regardless of how it went. This one, was just non-stop action for 25 straight minutes. I can't recall many performances since we've started this podcast that had a pacing like that from one fighter. So what a win. What a way to arrive in your first main event. It's one thing to win when you get that marquee spot, but to do this against an elite-level talent and Peter Jan is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, before we get into what's next, give me your thoughts because I'm sure you have just as many praises as I do. This is probably kind of transitioning a little bit, but to me, I can't help though, Dom, but you're right. Title shot earning performance if I've ever seen one. And he's doing it against a former champion, a former interim champion. I mean, DC called him a former two-time champion. You know, for all intents and purposes, you can call him that. Yeah. And this is a guy who his record is not really indicative of the kind of talent he is. You know, the Sean O'Malley decision is disputed. It was a great fight. He looked good in it. The Aljo loss, it happens. Aljo's really proving to be a very good champion at For this sure. point. And obviously, you look at what Aljo did when he took the back of like Corey Sanhagen in yeah. their fight. Yeah. Choked him out within three minutes. Yeah. With Jan, he had his back in multiple rounds and couldn't do it. And I think that speaks to just how good Jan is everywhere. For the sure. DQ loss, Jan was dominating. Yes, these are all losses. I'm not trying to diminish them. But yeah. I'm just saying that the losing streak or the skid – is not indicative of him slipping at all as like a top right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for Marab to go in here and make him look Whew. like a shell of himself uh, for Jan, that's says a lot. Yeah. And I knew Marab was very good. I knew he was elite in a lot of ways. And um, you could have even told me there's a world where he'd compete for a title. Hmm. And I even questioned the betting odds about having Jan that big of a favorite. I still ended mm. up putting Jan on a parlay. 
So if that tells you anything is that I could have saw Marab winning this fight, but to do it in the fashion he did, shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. I mean, I thought this fight was going to either be Jan really just outclassing him on the feet and maybe getting a finish mm-hmm. or a very, very close decision. Both guys having their moments, and then it comes down to the scorecards, which Jan has been in that position a few times. Like I said, three yeah. split decision losses. So that's not at all what happened. Uh, Marav, dominant title shot earning performance yet. Mm. His training partner, his teammate, the man in his corner yeah. last night is the champion right now, Aljamain Sterling. Now, Aljo does have a scheduled title defense in May against Henry Cejudo. So for all we know, if Cejudo wins that fight, that could change a lot of what we're about to talk about here. Mm -hmm. But, of course, DC asked Marav about that situation because they have said they will not fight each other. That's what they said. They're brothers. They don't want to fight each other. Well, Marav really doubled down on that a little bit in his uh, post-fight interview. Mm Mm-hmm. And basically called for the UFC to give him any of the guys that are kind of a fight away from a... I mean, he really... He basically called to be like the guy that... To take out these challengers for Sterling. Like, he was really... Yeah, yeah. It was a whole other level of like... Just, I guess... Um, that's a whole other level of loyalty. <laughs> if yeah. I'm, I mean, to be clear, like, to really ask for those kind of guys like he wants a guy like Corey Sanhagen or you know a guy like Sean O'Malley or someone right. who mm-hmm. is on the on the doorstep of earning a title fight he wants to take them out so Aljo doesn't even have to face those kind of guys I don't really think that's how it's going to go though Dom I mean I think what worries me Dana was asked this question at his power yeah. slap presser and he said, as he's always, he's been very consistent on this issue. And That's true. Yeah. Teammates and friends say they don't want to fight each other. He always says it's a terrible idea. And he said that as much here. He said he thinks it would be a very bad idea for Marav to do that. Because if you turn down, because I'm assuming the UFC may want to offer him a shot if Aljo were to win against Cejudo. If he turns that down. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be he gets a fight with like Sean O'Malley or no. Corey Sandigan. Those no. guys, they don't want these guys that could be title challengers getting taken out before they even get to the, the dance. You know? No, no. They're not going to give him a Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley is going to overstep him for a title fight. O'Malley would and the winner of Sandhagen Vera both would overleap. Right. Yeah, should, I've left out Marlon Vera from yeah. the conference. He's obviously also in that discussion. Yeah. You know, Marav would end up fighting like the winner. I said this for Jan on Friday, but Marav would probably get like the winner of a Song Yudong, Ricky Simone. Simone. Yep, for sure. Which that's a dangerous fight, but it's a guy that's not quite in the, he's not, they're not quite in the contender discussion. Yeah. So it's a dangerous fight that doesn't feel like someone in Marav's position should take, but it's risky. And that's ultimately the fights he's going to be looking at. Yeah, if he is to turn down a potential title fight, what do you make of this situation? Is there obviously we're not in a position to tell these guys what they should do? You know, they they ultimately, uh, I trust that they know better what's what's best for their careers than we do. Mm-hmm. But if you're in that camp, if you're in 
if you're one of Marav's, you know, guys in his circle, you know, what, where are you leaning on this issue? Where do you feel like, what do you feel like Marav should do? No, man. I feel like when guys make this decision with training partners and such, I, I mean, I see it both ways. If they end up fighting each other, um, Usman Burns, just the most recent one that mm -hmm. comes to mind, then they do it. And you know, Oh, well, I'm going to watch, obviously I'm going to watch everything, but if they choose not to, like I have a certain amount of respect for that as well. They just, they respect each other. They respect the grind that it took both of them to reach the top. And you don't want to be the one to take that from your brother. So yeah. I understand it. So I'm never going to be one to like say they shouldn't do this. But I want Marab to get his stars. I want him to get his chance to become a champion. So as a fan, I, I do almost hate that it's like you're taking yourself out of the picture. And we talked about this probably a little bit too much on Friday than we should have just for today's sake. But I said, even if Aljo loses, it's not even a guarantee that Marab will get a title shot then because Henry could potentially go to 145. Now, you did make a good point in the, the aftermath of that discussion saying, well, I'm not so sure like Sterling would get the vacant shot against somebody else. And I do agree. So maybe Marab will get in there against sean o'malley or whatever but i just i really worry that he can just lower himself on the totem pole by making this decision he didn't say anything about 125 which yeah, that, was, that sucked for me because because this performance earned him a shot at 125 yeah it just as long as pantoja goes first he you know, got the shot i called i i made the call yeah. i like babe ruth pointed yeah. pointed to the center field bleachers and said marab would be the flyweight champion i was hoping so bad dom yeah yeah that he would call out or call for that title fight and he didn't and i yeah. was sitting there like man it's not gonna happen is it? he's really gonna stick at 135 yeah and not only does he not mention that but then he says well when sterling goes to 145 and i'm like hey, what that's happening i didn't know that was a thing <laughs> i mean so yeah is aljo planning to go to 145 uh, if he beats Cejudo? i mean maybe maybe he does it seems like the winner of that may just go to 145 regardless of who it is. So I don't know, man. I, I want him to get his chance because I, what I saw last night, sure the hell looks like he could be a champion. And again, I know it's not going to happen, but him versus Aljo, that'd be pretty sick. I mean, that look at their be. styles. That is such a clash. They know each other like the backs of their hand, more so than what you would even see from Burns versus Usman. So... As much as I respect him and them making this decision to not fight each other, I kind of want to see it happen at the same time. And a lot rides on what happens in May. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I just worry that he could get passed up. And for all we know, if he just loses one fight, if he slips up and loses to a Sanhagen, a Simone, a Yadong, it's going to be a while before I think he could get back because of this division. And how right. nasty it is right now, man. How it's nasty it. it is. And then for Marab, he's not one of the biggest known guys in the division. Yeah, even after last night, he won't be. That's just but, but after that. last night, he is at a hot point. Like yes. he has hit yes. A, a, he's at a point where this is the time to really cash in mm -hmm. and, and put him in that position because his stock could not be higher. Mm -hmm. But Dominic, if he skips over it, if he you know, six months from now is fighting uh, Song Yudong or Ricky Simone. 
all of a sudden that it loses a little bit of that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a shame. You know, I know there's more that goes into it. It's not just that him and Aljo are buddies, training partners. Like it's not just the brotherhood aspect or the, the loyalty, but Dominic, there's also the parameters around the fact that they train in the same gym. So a lot of times when, when, when you've seen it in the past, when guys who train at the same gym are scheduled to fight one another, a lot of times one of the guys leaves and has to go train elsewhere. I remember specifically uh, Donald Cerrone was scheduled to fight Mike Perry on yep. one of those anniversary yep. shows in Colorado. And Cerrone, that kind of severed the relationship between Cerrone and wasn't it Winkle John? Uh, yeah, the whole or, gym. The whole yeah, relationship. Because he felt like they essentially chose. sided with Perry, yep. chose Perry, the younger fighter, yep. and kind of obsoleted uh, – donald from the situation yeah and now donald got well now he's retired but then he's kind of started his own like right started doing his own thing um so i'm sure there's a little bit of like we just don't want that kind of bad voodoo mm. like in mm-hmm. here you know the, they're a tight-knit group they've had a lot of greats come out of there chris weidman you know that and it's a guys small are, gym yeah you know? i mean this is this is a small group of guys but there's a lot of legacy yes. that trains there matt sarah yeah. You know, obviously one of the coaches there. So the, these guys, it, it's it, there is a sense of like there's more to it than just just how them. specifically Aljo and Marab feel about each other. Yeah, it it plays a little. There's a little bigger picture to it. So when Dana is so comes down real hard on these guys who won't fight one another, I get it. I get it when it's situations like, wasn't there a time, Dom, when Anderson Silva was champion where he didn't want to fight? Like, I don't know if it was Damian, not Damian Maya. I feel it like almost been, Brazilian fighters in yeah, general. Yeah, Brazilian fighters. That yeah. was a big thing back yeah. then. And I know Anderson Silva specifically, there was somebody he specifically was like, I will not fight this guy. We're friends. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like, but they don't train together. Like, why, mm-hmm. you know, why can't you just fight? And right. You know, you you need to fight each other. Same with like uh, Gilbert Burns, you mentioned, and yep. uh, Vicente Luque. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. So like these things happen, but it makes more sense when it's guys that train together that are literally in the same gym. I mean, that's that there is more to it. Um, it's just but like- I part of me wonders like we're talking about all this and we don't know what these two have actually had conversations about behind the scenes mm-hmm. for all we know aljo has made it pretty clear that win or lose he's going to 145 yeah, that could be true and marab's just i mean rob even kind of said you know when aljo goes to 145 i'm right so it's sort of like <laughs> it's almost like there's some conversation we've not yeah. been made privy to yeah that aljo's like for sure going up a weight class and maybe that's the case maybe it isn't but that would be the thing that makes sense here Win or lose, Aljo go up and wait, and then that opens the door for Marab to fight for a title. Yeah, we in a way just like as much as we love to talk about what's next, kind of just have to wait. We have to wait wow. two months, see what happens with Cejudo and um, Aljo in the title fight, and then we'll talk about you know Marab. We'll circle back, and by then we will also have Marlon Vera or Corey Sanhagen, the winner of that, to talk about. Yeah. So. How we'll weird see. would it be if the that title fight occurs for the bantamweight title and both guys win or lose, both go up and wait afterwards? 
Because if Cejudo wins, you would think he's going to go up to 145. And then let's say Aljo's just going up anyways. Like both guys fighting for the Bantamweight title, no longer in the Bantamweight division after that. And Bantamweight. it's like if Cejudo loses, does he even bother yeah, fighting again? I think it loses that luster of being a guy going for three. And then you have kind of a three-man race because O'Malley's waiting it out. It's pretty clear at this point. Yeah. He's not going to fight anybody else. He's He beat Pewter Jan, regardless of if you think he did or not. He's up in the top three. He's going to wait for a title fight. You'll have Marab, and then you'll have... I keep saying the winner of Sanhagen Vera because Sanhagen just... I could see him getting another chance, but especially if Marlon Vera wins, there's three... You can only have two. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's going to, it's almost like last year. Remember when we kind of had the, the unofficial Bantamweight Grand Prix? It's almost like it's happening again this year. And it's kudos to the division and how good all these guys are. But this is a big month and a half for 135 pounds. And, you know, we just, and that's funny, you just brought that up. And we're talking about it as if Marav is guaranteed to be given a shot. Yeah. And he should be off this performance. But Dominic, if that's really how things go, if Cejudo and Aljo kind of go up and wait and that opens the door for those three guys, like let's say Marlon Vera does beat Sanhagen, there is no doubt in my mind the UFC want O'Malley Vera too over because, having exactly. Marab in that What storyline's bigger? A rematch with Sean O'Malley and Vera, especially because Vera's only skyrocketed since then, or Marab versus either of the two. What's so he, Rob's just in a, even yeah. though he just had the best performance of his yeah. career, it feels like in a, there's so many ways where this could kind of not go well for him. And especially like, let's look at just the two, Marab and Sean O'Malley. They're coming off beating the same guy who had the better performance. Marab. Right. Yeah. Clearly. But who's still the bigger name and is going to get a title shot for sure. Sean O'Malley. Yeah. It's the way to, it's the way the game goes. I'm not yeah, saying man. it's the I'm not saying that I am, you know, I'm not saying that I wish that's how it would go. Obviously, we care about seeing the best fight the best. Yeah, and yep. Marab feels like he should be in that kind of fight for sure. But I'm not going to deny I wouldn't be excited to see O'Malley and um, Vera potentially run that fight back. That'd be pretty sick. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Peter Yan though. Kind of um, have to a little, yeah. Four or five losses. That's great. This one, the most decisive. Is there anything that sticks out to you, Dom, that uh, specifically Jan needs to work on to get himself back on track? <laughs> yeah, like, that's the problem. You asked me on Friday, what is it that's, you know, what is he not putting yeah. together? Is there something there? And I was like, I mean, I don't know. I don't think there is. And even in this one, like, yeah, he got taken down 11 times, but I guess he defended uh, 30 uh, 38 of them yeah. or something crazy like that. But uh, I don't know. At the end of the day, it is losing four. And not, I'm, I won't even include the DQ loss. It's still three out of four, three in a row, legitimate losses. Regardless about the Sean O'Malley one, he lost the fight. It was a close fight, and he lost it. It's all against good competition. I'm never going to say there's good losses, but there is something to be said when you lose to good competition in the way in which he did. And two of them were split decisions, as Noah mm -hmm. said earlier. But is there some, like, I, I don't think so. Because even last night, you talked on Friday about how he analyzes the first round, round and a half. It can put him down, 
one or two rounds, especially in a three-round fight, it's a big problem. In a five-round fight, it's still a problem. But last night, he didn't even really get to do that, and that was because Marab, he didn't even have a chance to try and analyze what Marab was going to do, which, I mean, what is there to analyze? You know what the fuck he's going to do. He's going to come straight forward anyway. Do you take a big step back here? Does Pewter Jan fight like uh, the winner of Song Yudong and uh, Ricky Simone? Does he fight the loser of Vera Sanhagen? Like, or does he even go further back and fight? F- fuck, dude. Like, I don't know. There's so many great talents in this division right now. I'm blanking, of course, on names, but I almost feel like you kind of have to. And it's kind of like what we said for Corey Sanhagen. We wanted him to take a big, not, you know, a step back to the back half of the top 10 or something. And he didn't. He's fighting Marlon Vera instead. So I'm, I want Pewter Jan to take a big step back to someone back there. Probably won't. And maybe it's just because he is that good. I, there's a there's a problem with being as good as Peter Jan, but you're losing fights. What a weird dynamic. That yeah, this, this is the problem, right? Because you look at it on its surface, and it's at four or five or losses, and you go, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not good. But when you, you that's why you have to kind of take it case by case, right? You can't just look at things as like a surface – level of when you look into it right like that's no better than anybody who just pulls up the wikipedia and sees all the red and goes wow this guy must suck or this guy must be slowing down or whatever yeah Yeah. when you really look at the performances like you can make excuses or you can rationalize the losses before but this one this one was eye-opening for me dominic because if you run that fight back 10 times, I don't think Jan wins a single one of them. I think Marab, I think I agree. Yeah. Um, look, that like Jan showed vir- he had virtually no moments in this fight. Mm. Had some decent uh calf kicks early, but then even Marab was doing better with those yeah. and more damage with those. Yeah. What I think I come to the conclusion to, and I've seen a couple video essays that have come out today or last night and some tweet threads. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm the first one to see this, but something that Jan does really well that I didn't mention on Friday, when it comes to striking uh, defense, he's very good about having a very tight uh, guard. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he keeps his hands up real high and tight, a bit like a boxer typically does. And he's very good about not letting a lot of big shots sneak through. Mm. The problem in this fight was when he would do that, that immediately opened him up for double legs on double legs on double legs because your hands are up here. Where aren't they protecting your lower half? Yeah. And you mix in the fact that he's not a very like, he doesn't have a ton of movement in terms of his footwork. He's a bit of a stationary, you know, flat footed kind of guy in the way that he moves. And I think it was just a recipe for disaster here. Mm. So not only does he keep his hands up, which is good for striking, but it can be bad if you don't have the speed or the all the wherewithal to, you know, drop them as soon as you see the shot coming in. But then he doesn't quite have the footwork, Dom, to keep himself, you know, as not a stationary target and make him harder to even time a takedown on. 
I mean, he was essentially standing in front of Marab, hands up here. I mean, it was almost like I look back on it, I'm like, man, I was so dumb. Like, I, and I know that a lot of people had yawn. I'm like, God, like, how did I not see that coming? Mm-hmm. And um, to me, that makes it very clear that there is these are big things for him to work on. Now, if he were to come back and fight most people in this division, you know, no matter who it is, Corey Sanhagen, Marlon Vera, um, you go even further down, a lot of these guys. I don't think it's quite the issue. I think he probably would still be a favorite in many of those fights, and I I think he could just do what he does best and analyze and process the info and dominate the later rounds and get wins. Mm. But for him to beat these guys at the top, and I'm talking specifically Aljo and Marav, the best of the mm. best in terms of grappling and wrestling in the division, who have great motors, great back takes, great takedowns, I don't think he has a chance if he continues the way he's going. Do you, you want to hear what I want? Yeah. Okay. Because there aren't a ton of grapplers. Like, there, there's a ton of elite talent. We know how right, good the right. division is. But there's not a ton of grapplers. But, there, you know, Ricky mm-hmm. is another one on the back half, mm-hmm. but he's booked, obviously. Number 11, Mr. Umar Nurmagomedov. Mm-hmm. Now, so, you, so you really want him to go back like outside the top ten? I think it's not really even a step back. I mean, Umar's exactly like rankings wise, it's a step back. Skill set wise, is, it's not. And see, this, is, this is what I worry about, Dom. Is I get it, but if you're Peter Yan, if you're gonna take a step back, you know what? What you know what would make sense? Like in a lot of ways, a matchup that feels fate more favorable to him, but it's still in that range. If he were to take on like a Jonathan Martinez, Ooh, yeah. who just is probably going to be in the top, he's going to get in. You're right. After yeah. beating 14 ranked Saeed. Yeah. Yeah. So you, a guy like Umar, I feel like Jan's like, no shot. I'm taking that fight. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. I think he's more likely to take a fight with a Yadong or Simone over a guy like Umar Namagamadov. Yeah. Because Umar is just, even though he's got that Nurmaga Madoff name, and obviously he's got that Nurmaga Madoff talent, <laughs> he doesn't quite have the name for himself to probably make that a fight worth the risk for Peter Yan. Yeah, for Peter uh, Yan, Yadong, yeah. who's main evented a card before, if Ricky beats Yadong, that would probably propel him up a little bit to where that's the step back that I foresee for yeah. him. Yeah. But I, I, I really, I, I don't get me wrong. If they booked it, if that fight got made, I'd be like, "Holy shit, what a fight!" Mm. But I just, I don't think there's a world where he takes it. Do, do you almost want to see him fight though someone else that's primarily a grappler, just to see maybe how big the holes yeah, are? Yeah, I mean, I, or I the mean, gaps I, are. Yeah, I mean, I guess partially, you know, if if like Ricky, you know, well, well, really it's probably the loser of that fight that he would be more likely to fight. So let's say Ricky loses the song. You know, that I, I wouldn't be against seeing that. I, I really don't. I know that that's where the whole lies is like those guys like Marab and Aljo are just nightmare matchups for him right now. Mm-hmm. Until he works on what he needs to work on, which I already right. said, the footwork and just being able to, in the moment, be more prepared for those shots and be able to move his hands quickly enough to defend himself. But 
with that being said, like, I don't think Ricky's at the level in terms of wrestling, grappling. Yeah. And not even the same style with which he implements it. It is different for sure. That yeah. Marab and Aljo. So, yes, I get what you're saying. Like, would I prefer him to see him, prefer to see him up against a grappler? I mean, I don't know if I really have a preference one yeah, way or you're another. Indifferent. I mean, if you give him a striker, like, that's probably a better fight. But it's True. also one that's probably more favorable to him. Mm. So is Ricky a more dangerous matchup than, like, a Song Yadong? Maybe. Mm. But I don't really kind of – it doesn't really sway me one way or another. I get where you're going on that mm. mm-hmm. because I typically kind of do that if a guy – either hasn't shown hasn't fought a guy that has good wrestling or has shown a weakness against wrestling yeah that i tend to want to see him overcome that against somebody before you get back in but yeah. here it's like i just feel like marab and aljo are just such a level above the rest right now in terms yeah. of their wrestling i don't know if simone really poses the same level of threat mm. that mm. those guys did against uh Jan. not that he can't win the fight right and um no, just i got that, you it's just different yeah, for sure, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see like what comes next for both. Yeah, um, but Dominic, we're going to move on to kind of the rest of UFC Las Vegas. So I know you were, again, watching kind of through downtown uh, Nashville, sort of like how I had to do the prelims for UFC 285. Not in Nashville, but, you know, right. just I, yeah. trying to be present, you know, with family, friends, <clears throat> girlfriend, whatever. But also trying to watch these fights. So I want to kind of let you take the lead here. You know, where do you kind of go first in your big takeaways for UFC Las Vegas? We'll start with the main card. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't do what I did last week where I like read off all the results. I think we'll touch on what we want to touch on what on we want to touch on. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess I kind of have two. Eh, no, I don't really. That one's kind of whatever. Mario Batista. I was really excited to see him coming in and i know he was a huge favorite he was going up against you know 40 something year old guido canetti i don't care what age guido is he's shown to still be dangerous he was coming in on two fight finishing streak against good competition mario's a young guy that has treaded a little bit under the radar but he is a good talent and noah said it best and we've talked about it really the past two weeks about the depth of bantamweight it's mm-hmm. insane but now you know, Mario's on a four-fight win streak, the best he's ever looked, and it's against competition that's getting better and better. Honestly, not even better and better, but it's all against competition that is good, solid. And three straight via submission at 29 years old, getting into his prime. He's putting all the puzzle pieces together. And man, like, honestly, I know Guido's not as close to, like, top 15 as what Jonathan Martinez was, so I'm not calling for top 15 next necessarily. But give him, give Mario someone like a Jonathan Martinez-esque, or maybe he even fights like Saeed next. Something like that. One win away to get in the top 15. I like that we're seeing a complete game start to be put together for Mario Batista. I think he's just a young, exciting fighter, which Bantamweight is full of those. So honestly, I feel like throughout the main card, main even aside, looking at it right now on my screen, he was... My biggest takeaway from that main card, for sure. I can't remember if he's the one that called him out or not. Someone, I think, called this guy out. But even if not, I think it'd be a fight that makes sense next. Uh, Cody Garbrandt. Oh, all day. All day. 
you know, Cody come, getting back on track with the win, but clearly, oh. you know, a guy who still needs to build his confidence back up a oh, little that's bit. that's a fun-ass fight, man. Yeah. Maltista mm. gives him a chance to jump, not just into the top 15, but I mean. Huge name. Yeah, huge mm. name. Mm. And the former champion, obviously, that's a lot of cred that could be given to Bautista, who I think is deserving of that at this point. Because Dominic, he took, no disrespect to Guido Canetti, he took him to Suplex City, bitch. I mean, the finishing sequence saw you. of that fight <laughs> yeah. was – was there was so many – first off, I saw somebody else tweet this, Dom. Through 2023, specifically for the UFC, and maybe even for all major MMA, but UFC specifically, it has been a huge, huge increase in the percentage of submission wins. Compared, especially compared to KOTKO. And lately, like the past well, I think few cards. Five of six finishes on this card, or six of seven, whatever the number is, with submissions. Yeah. yeah. Like, holy shit. And like through 2023 so far, it's been like the percentage has been way inflated. Typically, yeah, KOTKO for sure. KO is what you get more often. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason this year, it's like been hot and heavy with submissions so far. Which it's I'm so fun to watch, about. man. Yeah. But I felt like. Dominic through the weekend because I I took over tweeting duties due to your you know obviously mm-hmm. the trip you're on. I there was so many instances where I wanted to tweet something about the finishing sequence, the slam into the back take and yeah. getting the choke on that happened like three or four times. You're like this is deja vu. I may repeat myself, but here <laughs> takes Guido Canetti to Suplex City, bitch, and then immediately locks in that choke. That was impressive and i knew he was the biggest favorite on the card so in a way was it like should he do that sure but i think he he played a very smart fight because he did kennedy is his most dangerous in the very first couple minutes of the fight he's got big power he's got very just like he throws a lot of spinning attacks i mean he's very wild with his striking bautista immediately off a spinning attack goes for the level change takes him down gets back up but then slams him and then gets the back take and the choke, and it was all she wrote. So mm. he played a very smart fight here. Yes, I think it's uh, you know, he he looked like the minus whatever 800, 900 favorite. Mm. So why not kind of give him that leap forward and you know really test himself here? So mm. I like that as being your big takeaway. I'll I'll start with the co-main. Okay. Um, and this is a bit I said good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, Alexander Romanov, what happened? Dude, he went back to the original physique, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah, he looked great in his last fight coming in physique-wise. And then here, I think he gained 20 pounds or something like that as well. Mm -hmm. I think he came in around the 240 range for the Tibura fight. And I know he lost that fight and also lost a lot of steam Mm -hmm. into the later rounds because he dominated the first round. Yeah. Here, he had gained like 20 pounds. A lot of people were talking about his physique. I'm not in a place to uh, say that. Uh, I think I'll be opening myself up for mm-hmm. uh, some shots there. But I will say it was noticeable. The bigger problem, though, I don't really care too much about the physique. The performance was yeah. bad. I mean, yeah. Dominic, this fight lasted two minutes and 16 seconds. Romanov went for a pretty bad takedown attempt early. And when he didn't get it, I kid you not, he got hit with a couple good shots from Volkov. He looked over. Yeah. And he looked already like he was gassed, like two minutes into the fight. Yeah. I understand if I was in that spot, I'd probably be gassed too after a couple minutes. 
for but sure. That's the problem. I'm a guy sitting here <laughs> yeah. and he's fighting in the best league in the world. Yeah. Like I, I, wow. I mean, Volkov looked good here and I think there is a bit of a, something I'm noticing over his last two wins. That's interesting as he moves ahead specifically, he's much more aggressive. I saw right, you say right that. Away. And I, I, I saw him do that against Rosenstreich and then here against Romanov. That's two back-to-back first-round finishes, by the way. And he should. Like, he's a good kickboxer. Yeah, he he's should good. be more aggressive. But his problem has always been, I feel like, he lets the fight come to him too often. You know, he's a yeah. bit past. When you look at the fight with Gone or even guys more wrestling heavy, like, uh, or not wrestling heavy, but Tom Aspinall, who, like, you know, had a thorough beatdown of mm-hmm. him. Or, mm-hmm. or Curtis Blades, who kind of wrestle-fucked him for five rounds. Like, yeah, he he's a bit too, like, hesitant to really get in there and you saw glimpses of this style coming in when he beat over him looked damn good doing it he did but man. then over the last that. two fights i mean this is the kind of volkov that we need to see hmm. moving forward do i have a ton of confidence that he can beat one of these top five guys in the division no because he's already fought a few he others. has fought a lot yeah if you look at the guys ahead of him he's already fought gone he's already fought uh blades he's already fought aspinal you know stipe is obviously not going to fight him you know what the interesting one is i think to see if he can keep being aggressive i want to because i have an eye i have a guy in my mind here what you think there's a guy that is top echelon (laughs) which is where volkov has kind of hovered for a while that is always going to be aggressive and i want to see if volkov would keep this aggression streak that he's on it's tied to ivasa Yep, a hundred percent agree. That's the him. fight next for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I completely agree. Such a such a weird matchup because mm. obviously and the size you know, difference with insane. the size, but mm. then you have Tui Vasa with the power and both guys. If they both come out aggressive at one another, dude, very interesting fight. Car and if Volkov isn't aggressive in that one, behind the eight ball, he's gonna time. get clocked. Gonna yeah. get absolutely cleaned like he did against like Derek Lewis. You know, even though yeah. that happened. Later in that fight, but Tui Vasa, I don't care if he's lost the last couple fights. That man, he nearly knocked out Surreal Gone. So, yeah, dude, that's the fight. Man. Yeah, no, I love that fight. But for Romanov, I already wasn't very high on this guy. Mm-hmm. I kind of said, like, I, I look back, he had that technical decision win over, I, I forget the fucking guy's name he beat, but it was a guy who had won one of the seasons at the Ultimate Fighter. I think it was the season that Stipe and DC were coaches um but anyways when he beat that guy you know the yeah the already did you look Juan espino yeah Juan espino yes so Juan espino i think is in his 40s which at heavyweight you know it's doable as big it's doable but um romanov showed gassing heavy like in that third round and then i think espino threw a nut shot or something and then it went to a technical decision Romanov got the win, but he was slowing down fast in that fight. And then you see the Tibera fight where he kind of did the same thing. Mm. So my when I, I took the under two and a half, which I know we're talking about the betting in a little bit, but my rationale in my head was if Volkov can survive the first round, I think he can pick apart Romanov and finish him on the feet. But Romanov here didn't even. I mean, the, yeah. the guy who smashed Tibera had like sixty six strikes to one, yeah, in their, or to zero in their first in the first round. That guy was nowhere to be found here. Yeah, 
And there was a little bit of controversy. I mean, Volkov did have a little bit of a fence grab, a pretty bad one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it, it might have been a clash of heads that kind of caused some damage at one point. But I don't know, Dom. This was not the this was not the kind of showing Romanov needed to get back on track. And that's two losses in a row. Mm. To me, Dom, I, I I more if you were to ask me, do I believe he's more is he more of a Tom Aspinall or a um, like a guy that kind of like a Augusto Sakai? I'm going to mm-hmm. say he's more Augusto Sakai right now. No, I mean, that's completely fair. And, you know, it just has to be proven otherwise. Like, yeah. honestly, a performance like this, take a step out of the even top 15 fight wise, too. Like, I know it's not like the biggest division in terms of death, but there's people back there that you can fight. So I got the matchup for you, and I'm gonna hope when I say this they haven't fought already. I'll confirm. Give him my man, Andre Arlovsky. That's available. Who will who yeah. will win that fight via I decision? Just, right. Uh, that, no. No, I like that. Fly, but I do. Know, yeah. I do think that's a that's the kind of fight that I would like to see him take on because I think so. Arlovsky, a veteran, a guy that's yeah, like the way that. I mean, Arlovsky's not breaking down, you know, any new doors anytime soon. I mean, he kind of is who he is at this age, at this point in his career. Not an easy guy to finish. No. I know he did get finished. Wasn't it Rogerio de Lima finished him in their last fight? And before that, he got finished by Aspinall. But a pretty hard guy to finish at this point in his career. Mm. Um, He's really improved his IQ to a point where, and obviously he's got so much experience, like, and he won't get tired in a and that's the, the and he and he always is able to go to full fifteen. Yeah, Romanov going to be a tough guy, a tough matchup for him in round one. But again, if he survives it, yep, you know he's purely capable of winning those next two rounds. So, I think that's the kind of fight I'd like to see Romanov take, like a guy outside the top fifteen, but still a name, you know, a veteran. Yeah, matchup. Yeah, I think we nailed heavyweights there. Yeah, so what do you what do you have next on the main card? Anything else? Oh man. I I guess I kind of would like you to touch a little bit on Martinez Nurmagomedov at least rounds 1 and 2 cuz I didn't get to see those much cuz I know going in we were most excited for that one outside mm-hmm. of the main event. I just kind of want to hear what you thought about that one since I didn't get my full attention on that one cuz that's a yeah. it was an awesome fight on paper going in for sure. Yeah, it was it was a solid fight. Um, very close, mm-hmm. very close. And actually the first round was a lot of fun. Um, I even tweeted about it that Saeed, his ability to take the back is so quick and so mm-hmm. fast. And he, as soon as he gets it, he's not letting go. Yeah. It's like a backpack on you, like just immediately has it. But Jonathan Martinez able to fight out of multiple submission attempts. I mean, it was a great first round, but it looked Saeed just had a lot more weapons than Martinez. Um, but I think it was in round two, Martinez landed a really nice elbow up close, and it might have broke the nose of Nurmagomedov, and that became quite a factor for him the rest of the way. You know, not quite able to take the, you know, the durability. Didn't want to quite take too many more shots on that nose. And it also might have been affecting his breathing. So I think he was gassing a little quicker than Martinez. When the fight was over, I probably scored it two to one for Saeed, but I wasn't mad when the decision was read off and Martinez got his hand raised. I was surprised because it was unanimous. And you look at a guy with the Ramaga Madoff name, 
Yeah. The benefit of the doubt didn't happen. And what a win for Martinez. I mean, I, regardless of if you thought he won or not, to beat a guy like Saeed Nurmagomedov, who, yes, this is his, not his first loss in the UFC. His only other loss was to Heone Barcelos. But mm-hmm. Martinez just looks so much better than he did when he was early on in his career. This was a guy who was had dropped a couple fights early. I think he was a bit of a 500 guy. I was just about to say, what's he rattled off since? Like five straight wins now? Yeah, dude. He started four and three, and now he's won five in a row at the last two Cub Swanson and now Saeed. And before Cub, it was even Vince Morales. Like, that's three really solid ass wins in a row. He's another guy similar to Mario Batista. They're just putting it all together right now. They're getting their biggest wins as they enter their prime. And that's what makes it exciting to see what is next for these types of guys. Yeah, so after his last win against Cub, he called out Dominic Cruz, which I think we all kind of thought probably wouldn't happen. But he doubled down on it. He called out Dominic Cruz again. And I believe he called out someone else. He might have been the one to call out Cody Garbrandt, but I thought it was – oh, no, he called out – actually, I'll tell you, this will be an interesting one. What do you think about him? He called out uh, Davison, Figueredo. What? Oh, shit. Yeah, this is coming David, up to 135, yeah. bro. Ooh. Would that be, if you if, da- if you're da- like when Davison's coming up, you know, where do you feel like his first fight should take place? Is it someone should he be immediately in the top, you know, five, six, seven matchup, or is he a guy that you know you could see taking a fight like that? I, mm, it's I feel like he should be fighting top level competition. I mean, not that Martinez think so? isn't. Yeah. I feel like he should be fighting. I mean, actually, I think him versus Dominic Cruz would be a fight that made sense. <laughs> the that two guys one. that Martinez called out. But I, I feel like um, a perfect introductory fight for Davison is either a back half top 15, like 10 through 15. And I'm only saying, not that I'm saying he doesn't like belong in the top five, but there's just so many right now that are yeah, vying for the sure, title. Sure. That's the only reason. So a guy 10 to 15, which Jonathan will be come Tuesday, or him versus Cody. But I really liked what you yeah. said with Cody yeah. um fighting Mario. So let's do Martinez at number 14 versus Davison. Oh, damn. I love that. <laughs> I love that call out. And if he doesn't get Davison, I love him fighting Dominic Cruz at yeah. Jonathan Martinez. I think that's I, a good I, step I, back Dominic for Dom, Cruz. I know? can't figure out what Dominic Cruz is doing cuz everything he says Tells you, oh, he only wants like big legacy fights, you know. And then he fights. But then Casey he takes, Kenny. yeah. Then he fights Casey <laughs> Kenny. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did come off the Marlon Vera fight where I thought he looked pretty good up until you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got knocked the fuck out, mm-hmm. but he still looked good in that fight. And I still think Dominic Cruz is a bit slept on in terms of. I agree. Where still he is do. in this division. Now, did that finish? Is that gonna, you know? hurt him over time it might i mean that could be the one that really yeah sends him into a spiral but i hope not i really think he's still got more left than that so um i don't hate it i jonathan martinez i think is deserving of getting a guy in kind of that dominant cruise range Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you could have argued he could have been ready for it after his last fight he could have been the guy who was in like the trevin jones spot of fighting cody garbrandt you know that unranked fighter but He's also a much more dangerous guy than Trevin Jones. So I kind of get probably why Cody preferred the Trevin Jones matchup. But you know what a sick um, fight would be? Sorry, real that? quick. 
Jonathan Martinez, Adrian Yanez. That'd be fire. <laughs> that's a that's a sick fight. That is Ooh. a sick fight. Yeah. Uh, do you want to touch on Nikita Krylov, Ryan Span, real quick? Um, I mean, unless you want to, I figure we might as well probably just touch on it more so in the bet slip, honestly. But we can okay. if you yeah, have no, any takeaways. No, that, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, it really. I don't know if there's anything we could really add that's not going to be said. It was exactly yeah. the yeah. fight that we thought we were going to get. Yeah, it was balls to the wall. There was a frenetic pace from start to finish. There was, I think it it, it, it was a fight that only lasted three and a half minutes. But Dominic, I think there was three submission attempts, four reversals, and mm-hmm. like two takedowns. Like there was so much that happened yeah. in that time. And being that we each had kind of a dog in the fight, both betting on Ryan Span made it so stressful. Oh, yeah, it was a stressful. And obviously it kind of hurt at the end. But yeah. yeah, we can talk about that more in betting. Actually, I will just say, though, this is a fight that I think it got fight of the night. Vitor Petrino and Anton Turkow. Okay, yeah, I saw oh, a bit of this. Shit, Tom. Mm-hmm. Not the most technical fight ever. Both guys, uh, but it was just a wild fight. I mean, this is the kind of fight that's going to win or be in comp- in the sweepstakes mm. for uh, the Just Bleed or whatever we call it uh, category yeah. come the end of the year. Because, and I actually think Vitor Petrino is an interesting prospect because. He's built like a brick shit house, dude. Yeah, he's eight no. Yeah, seven finishes, I believe, maybe six. I don't know, but only twenty five years old. And here, don't get me wrong, it wasn't perfect, not by any means. You know, this was not this. In it was it was kind of like the the. Uh, it's kind of like when your mom tells you we have Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira at home, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. It's a step down from the kind of caliber those two guys were. But you know when, like, Anthony Smith got a lot of flack for saying that, like, Glover and Yuri didn't have great performances in that fight? Yeah. There is a little something to that. Like, it was a bit sloppy, but just really good and fun and a lot of mm-hmm. heart being displayed. Not necessarily the best display of the skill sets of each guys, yeah, but a lot of heart, a lot of durability, a lot of reversals. I mean, it was very exciting to watch. That's what this fight was just on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vitor Petrino is an interesting guy, though. I, I think due to the age, 25, he's my age. But he yeah. looks like a whole-ass man. I mean, he's like Carlos and bench warmers. Yeah, know? this is the second coming of Michelle Pajera here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, only eight professional fights. Like, yeah, he's a little green. But I want to see what – he's got fucking lead in his hands, and he was hurting Turcal early. And even in some of the grappling, like – at one point, Turkal had his back, had a body triangle on Dom, and Petrino, out of pure athleticism, was able to reverse the position. I don't know if I've ever seen it when a guy was able to reverse a body triangle, but he just forced his way through it. A bit of Derek Lewis jitsu, you know, going exactly. on. Exactly. You know what I like too about this? And for both guys, but uh, specifically the winner and Petrino, mm. we need people like this that are younger coming up at light heavyweight. We need it. It's a division that doesn't run very deep. So to get guys in there like this in that back half uh, is is what this division needs. So I, I like that there. I'm glad you gave them a little shine. Yeah, how about the prelims? What, what anything sticking out to you there? Okay, so let me think here. I have to pull the car back up to get the names in my head. What was the one I wanted to discuss? Oh, okay, yeah. Very early, second fight of the night. Bruno Silva, Tyson Nam. We love, love, love the flyweights. Bruno mm-hmm. Silva has been on the radar 
uh, these past couple of fights that he's had. What is it specifically? Three straight wins since starting 0-2 yeah. in the Dominic, UFC. He hasn't fought in two years, so it was... Uh, oh, shit, yeah, you're right. So he had quite the layoff coming. I think a lot of people had forgotten about him. For sure, man, and what a way to get back in there. You beat number 15, Tyson Nam, a guy that is always in low-key fun fights. I still yeah. will never forget Tyson Nam versus Matt Schnell. I'll never forget that fight and yeah. talking about it on the podcast for, you know, reasons related to Pixar as well, but you know, we'll forget about that. He's a fun fighter and Bruno looked good. Bruno's a dangerous guy. He's finished nine out of 13 to do that against Tyson Nam, even though it goes against my bet slip by literally a minute and six seconds is all I needed. That says a lot. What a way to get back in there to get a ranking next to your name. It's a fun, fun fighter in a division that is super fun to watch right now. The flyweight stay delivering on these fight night and pay-per-view cards. Bruno Silva from the fights I got to pay full attention to and get takeaways from was my biggest standout from the prelims. Yeah. I think anything else from the prelims I'll probably touch on in the bet slip. So probably a smart idea to kind of hold okay. off on that discussion. That's actually good call on the fly by Dom to kind of set that standard. Let's talk about Bellator Dominic uh, specifically. Mm. The lightweight Grand Prix. <laughs> I I struggled to find a headline for this one, Dom, because you have two fights and both complete opposite sides of the spectrum in terms yeah. of my emotions about them, my takeaways from them. Um, well, I'll just say Usman Nurmagomedov is still your lightweight champion. Uh, he runs through Benson Henderson in 2 minutes, 37 seconds, gets the submission, rear naked choke. Co-main event, the fight that everybody was excited about, that everybody was talking up, if you know, you know, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Alexander Chablis does get credited with the TKO over Tofik Musayev, 29 seconds around number three. But Dominic, talk about disappointment. Yeah. This fight stunk. <laughs> it's a high heavens. Mm -hmm. And it's a shame because both guys are really good. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to call a spade a spade. Yeah. Not a good fight. Yeah. But a lot of controversy in this fight. It, and that's why the headline is what it is. Um, would it be a Bellator event without some weirdness going on? I mean, that's just such a Bellator staple. And to take it a step further, can a Bellator Grand Prix ever have a normal start? No, really? Like, I can't recall. Capable. It's yeah. not capable of happening. <laughs> so we'll start by just, I mean, I guess Dominic, we kind of made the bold claim. For one, we both bet on Tofik Musayev, but mm -hmm. we we took it a step further by saying the winner of this fight was mm -hmm. kind of our dark horse to potentially win the, win whole, the whole thing. thing. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think that Usman Namagamadov, AJ McKee is going to be that finals matchup, and I could see Shablee not only just upsetting like a McKee or Pitbull, but even dethroning the guy that everybody thinks is you know the one of the best in the world, Usman Namagamadov. Now that the fights have taken place, I know we we talked about this a little bit off recording, but considering we saw both Usman and Shibli here, do you feel do you kind of want to walk that one back, or do you feel like we're still like not going to put too much stock on that fight? Um, I'm not going to give up on the dream fully just yet. I mean, I'll tell you this: I would definitely still be intrigued with a Shibli versus yeah. Usman final if that's the case. But after watching Usman last night, I don't care the age or the fight years on Benson Henderson. He dismantled him. 
And he really needed it. I feel I know you kind of said you didn't feel he needed it, something like that, but it would be nice for him to have a performance like that. And I was kind of on the other end, like I just wanted to, I know that potential's there. Like I thought he could have finished Patricky when we were watching in Chicago. Mm-hmm. If he really, really wanted to. I feel to like force he played it, it a little it. safe in yeah. that fight. Yeah, for sure. So now he's got six fights in Bellator. He's finished four of them. He's the champion. He's made a title defense. That was like last night was or Friday night was like that moment where I felt, all right, Usman now can become the face of Bellator. I think he can after that. I think they can do something big with him if they decide to promote, you know, their company in general and fights and fighters better, better. They want to take a complete dig there, but I'm not going to give up completely. I like the idea of Chablis potentially upsetting Patricky and AJ making it to the finals, but I don't see... Usman getting like upset in his semifinal fight. Like I definitely, no. he's going to be in the finals for sure. And I definitely favor him over Chablis, but I do have intrigue. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'm, I, I kind of feel similar. Like, you know, I kind of wanted to be bold <laughs> yeah. because of that. I felt like, you know, those two guys, Chablis and Musayev weren't getting nearly enough talk about just even making it to the finals. Like, I feel like everybody kind of thinks AJ McKee is the favorite to do so. And I get it. I get it to a point, but you know, it's still somewhat of a new division for him. His only Mm -hmm. win is Spike Carlisle. I mean, shout out to Spike, you know, Dominic's favorite fighter. He got announced. uh, He's fighting at Ryzen uh, coming up in like a couple months. My God, he's everywhere. I love Spike. I almost put it on our (laughs) fight announcements just to get your thoughts on it. But yeah, him and uh, guy Bellator. Why can't I? Why do I always do this? I always want to bring up names and then I can't remember names. Juan Archuleta is also fighting on the in Ryzen. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. But it's just funny that Spike Carlisle's fighting on like a card that's usually features so many Japanese mm-hmm. fighters and just international fighters. And here's and you got Spike Carlisle. <laughs> uh, yeah. The hero to us Americans. But uh anyways, I, I do think like even though Spike Carlisle is a fine fighter, you know, he's a fun fighter. AJ McKee beating him doesn't necessarily tell me that he's all of a sudden like a far better fighter in lightweight than he was at featherweight. Mm-hmm. You know, his featherweight, his time at featherweight kind of ended a little with some question marks. And here at lightweight, I'm not exactly sure if I'm ready to say that those questions don't matter yet. You know, yeah. I feel like even though we, we, a lot of what you said about Usman right there, the face of Bellator, we've made, I, at least I remember myself, said similar yeah. things about AJ McKee when he beat Patricio Pitbull. Yeah. And then the rematch was just kind of a dud. A I know, like that that loss took away potential for him to, like, it's like he became the face, and then as soon as he lost, went away. Yeah. And ever since, they don't really have, like, that guy, or right. girl, for that matter, to no. be the face and i feel like well, who Usman was can. the last like who really was the face of belt like is I Bellator? Mean, i mean i guess patricio in a lot patricio of ways and his prime michael and like, chandler maybe yeah, yeah i mean maybe early on would eddie alvarez maybe have been a guy I, so I really know, can like, almost make the argument since aj beat patricio <clears throat> the first time because they were they were almost like fighting for the face aj won so he kind of got it, but then he lost again. And now it's just like, oh, well, neither one of you can be the face. Right yeah, now. it was just kind of a weird yeah. thing yeah. about that. But it does feel like a lot of its stock dropped, even though the fight itself was very close. And I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure if it deserved that. 
but it did make me ask a lot of questions about McKee because his head was taught up going into that fight. He was talking about the UFC and all mm-hmm. these money and yeah, all this stuff. And then it felt like that might've potentially taken away from his preparation for that fight because the performance was a little flat. And I think Both it's guys. bold of people to assume off of a Spike Carlisle win, shout out again, <laughs> that he can come in here and even beat Patricky. You know what I mean? Oh, that's true. Like, I have seen a couple people that think Patricky might be uh, more, you know, kind of a popular underdog yeah. pick in some ways. So, no, yeah. it would not. I would not be super shocked. I do favor McKee in that matchup. But considering that's the brother of Patricio, who does have yep. a win and has fought McKee twice. Yep. They're gonna there's gonna be a lot of you know knowledge about McKee's mm-hmm. skill set in that gym. So it, it is something worth noting. Um I, sh- I guess we should probably talk about the controversy with the co-main. Just oh yeah, a little bit. So Chablis throws a front kick to the solar plexus of Tofik Musayev after a really just sluggish first two rounds, just not a great fight. But he throws it. Musaya, it, it looks when in real time, it looks like it's kind of a shot to the solar plexus, but then to the nuts as well. So then Herzog calls time, as you would do for a nut shot, you know. And you would think Musayev's being given five minutes to recover. Mm-hmm. Well, Herzog goes over to his fellow of- officials that are outside the cage and pulls them. And they say, no, the damage was done by the blow to the um, solar plexus, the Mm -hmm. the stomach area, whatever, the abdomen. And that the ricochet into the nuts was purely incidental. The grazing of the cup or nut shot was purely incidental. Which I'm still not fully, I still don't know how I fully feel about this. But anyways. Yeah. it's So then he has a choice to make and he decides that, well, if the damage was done, by if they're telling me the damage was done by the shot to the stomach, then we I need to get this fight restarted immediately. Mm. So Musayev doesn't speak English. Then it became a very clunky affair of Herzog trying to get one of the cornermen of Musayev to come to the cage and translate to Musayev that he needs to go, he needs to know if he can go right now. And basically Musayev ended up waving him off, fights over, TKO win for Chablis. Afterwards, Scott Coker came out and did say Musayev suffered a broken rib from that shot. So mm. it sounds like the right choices ultimately were made. But it does make me wonder, Dom, a bit of what you said off recording about, like, due to the lack of English speaking for Musayev, and you got a guy who's not a natural, from what I understand, he's a corner man. He's not a translator. Yeah, Sure, yeah. he might know both languages, but to have a professional translator there would have probably been able to convey the point a little better. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder if Musayev really understood the the moment of mm-hmm. what he was doing. I mean, yeah. it's a million dollar tournament here. Yeah. And I, maybe that injury was so bad. The revoking rib was bad enough to where he was just like not able to go, but it does make you wonder if like, if he really knew that, he was looking at a loss and not a no contest. Yeah. That he would, he have continued going. Don't you think? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I saw some people saying that as well on Twitter. And the whole other thing is like, he still 
did get grazed in the balls. Like, did they That's ever come out and say thing. that it didn't hit his nuts? So, no, like, what's like, it matter? So, uh, John Morgan, I believe, or not, no, was it John? No, I it think was it was John, John or Aaron. I think John Morgan was there. Okay. And he was able to get like a quick interview with Herzog immediately after. And by what they were saying, they were acknowledging that there was a grazing of the cup. So like but apparently the the problem was that the the damage was due to the kick to the stomach, not the grazing of the nuts. See, here's my thing though. Who are the the refs to say that the damage was caused by that? You don't know his pain level from getting kicked right. in the in the in the uh, cup the groin so like regardless of him getting hit in the sternum i feel like if you're already giving him a break and you saw he clearly got hit low you have to i feel like he should have still gotten the five minutes and this is betting aside by the way I, yeah i like, mean we did have a bet on is. messiah but i get what you're saying yeah like, to me i feel like the right decisions were made once you know in hindsight what all came out of it. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, they don't know that it's a broken rib. They don't know. It yeah. feels like some assumptions were made that they kind of got lucky were accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably I'm assuming a great that way to pain was due to that broken rib. I mean, mm -hmm. that doesn't sound fun at all. Right. Right. But for them to assume that in the moment feels a bit, well, presumptuous and in that big of a circumstance yeah. man and, um so i did see a lot of people giving credit to herzog for his handling of the situation and while i'm not saying any other ref would have done it any better because it was just an awkward and mm -hmm. yeah clunky set of circumstances bellator not having a translator like right there was just weird yeah that's to me. bad yeah um but I'm not going to quite give Herzog like a ton of praise either. I mean, he's one of the best in the world. Right, right, for sure. This one situation doesn't necessarily take away from that. But I'm not going to, you know, throw roses at his feet and tell him what a great mm. job he did when mm. I don't necessarily know if I would say that. Like, right, I just, right. I feel like there was some, you know, it was just a clunky time frame it was weird that well that was weird that that's what it was <laughs> yeah exactly there's no better way to put it and i just it's a it's that par for the course for bellator and yes their grand prix it's uh mm. it's always something but chablis does move on i mean honestly dom the only thing that might have made it more weird is if there was a no contest like well, i guess well that fight has to be run back i mean that's yeah, like that's true that might have been the only thing worse for as far as the future of this tournament mm. But we still don't even have a date for McKee Pitbull. So everything's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand these dates, by the way. If you're having a Grand Prix and these people are supposed to fight each other, they should all have very similar timelines. Yeah, but no. Like, I feel like two like, on one card, two on another. Like the one in sense. three weeks at yeah, most. Because yeah. then you give the same amount of time of preparation. You know, but no, AJ doesn't have a date. In the other one, uh, the Brent Primus fight, it's happening in May. It's yeah. two months from now. I think it's May 12th, two months from the day we're recording this. How's that a fair timeline? Because someone is not going to have the same recovery time as the other. And that doesn't well, seem kind fair of, to me. Honestly, it does feel weird, though, that the guy that'd be getting screwed in this scenario is McKee or Pitbull, which I don't feel like Bellator would want to happen, want to do that. So I don't think it's like a malpractice in terms of like they're trying to favor somebody to yeah. win. Yeah. But. I, I just know. think that it's, yeah, it just seems like it 
doesn't make a ton of sense. But yeah. weird start to the Grand Prix, but we're obviously still excited to see how it goes from here. Anything else from the main card that was kind of jumping out at you, Dom? Um, I mean, well, <laughs> no. there's I one mean, that's you, kind of. If you of said a... no, I'd be like, come on. There's got to be I one. Mean, I feel like leaving the well that was weird on kind of fits right now because of the way Michael Page's fight with uh, Goichi Yamauchi went. I'll tell you right now, I ain't never. There's been some shit seen in MMA yeah. that we've seen injury-wise. I ain't never seen a kneecap move up into someone's lower thigh. Well, I can check that off of the bucket list after mm. that one, Noah. I'm sure you've been waiting for it. That's what you've been waiting to see. Uh, I mean, it made me a little oozy. I showed Jaden, got her a little oozy. She said, oh, get that away from me. And I yeah. didn't blame her. Michael Page threw a kick straight to the damn knee. And if that's not bad enough, you're going to break. First strike of the fight, you break Goichi's fucking kneecap. I ain't never seen nothing like it. Didn't know that was even possible to do, but. 26 seconds, Dom, of the first round. And, you know, I was – you want to know what's funny? So I was at work uh, during my lunch break. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be disclosing that in case anybody's <laughs> watching, but I was placing my bets for the weekend during my lunch break at work. <laughs> and luckily, due to the – sometimes the Internet's real bad there. <laughs> you already know this. So sometimes I try to place bets, and then all of a sudden DraftKings is telling me, we can't actually find your location. We think you might be in a different state. I'm like, I yeah. just placed a bet yeah. two seconds ago, and now you're telling me I can't? Well, you want to know what that bet was that it refused to let me put in? You took a Yamauchi money Yamauchi line? Yamauchi money line. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for that because I didn't. Because <laughs> then I was able to think about it a little more, and I was like, I don't know. I, I don't I'll just hold bet. off in general. Yeah. Yeah, so – um, obviously, in hindsight, that proved to be a wise decision, and maybe that was uh, God's way of saying, nah, bro. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's just talk about Michael Page. Talk about a guy that just has, hmm. you know, I don't know where he, I really don't know how good he really is. Yeah. But boy, is he exciting, and he is now responsible for two of the craziest That's so knockouts. true. I've ever seen. You know what the other one I'm talking about, right? Cyborg Santos. Oh my He's gosh. He's the one flying knee that caved his fucking skull in. Oh my gosh. And now here with Yamauchi, a single leg kick completely mm. broke this man's kneecap. Mm. I mean, he doesn't seem like a guy who throws with like this crazy amount of power. He's but got yeah, He's it. leaving a super devastating impact on the guys he's fighting. And Dominic, I mean, with a fight like that, the way that just went and the amount of clips I saw going around of that and stuff, there's no doubt in my mind, Michael Page is fighting Yaroslav Amosov next. I mean, I'd say no so. And I'd I can't so. blame him because Michael Page is such a big star for them in a lot of ways and for that European market especially. And Yaroslav Amosov is definitely building himself up a similar way. He just headlined the card over in uh, Dublin. So... Yeah, um, I don't love Michael Page's chances in that fight, but when you have a guy who is capable of doing this at any second, you can't count him out. Yeah, I think that's a fun fight. Hopefully, Amosov can fight again in 2023, late okay. this year. I know they're going back to Dublin in September. Let's just—I mean, hey, it's you, in you would Europe. think though you probably are going to try to go more for like a London type deal with MVP. Yeah, London would be bigger for sure, but just like if they can't 
to keep it in Europe right. in general. If they can't do London, do Dublin in uh, September. That's the fight. I, he earned it. He earned it after that. I mean, holy shit. He broke a kneecap. I ain't, <laughs> he, he got it. He got it. Does anybody can we let Michael Page walk out the zombie if they do that, or does it have to be does Peter Queeley? Peter Queeley will undoubtedly be on that card. So I I'm think Peter have, Peter like, Queeley needs to stay away from Ireland. I said it. Bit. I thank you. I, I know, had three I know. straight you, losses you there. It, look, we can't do it no more. I man. love the walkout. It's an all timer, but it just sucks that he keeps losing yeah. with it. Yeah. So maybe if he's not on the card, MVP gets the honorary zombie walkout. That'd be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I will mention Linton Vassell uh, redeeming his only loss uh, at heavyweight to mm. Valentin Moldovsky. And God, something about Damn. this was so something about this felt just as brutal as the fight before it. A minute three mm. of three seconds, or three minutes three seconds. Um, Ooh, Dom. What? What? Uh, the reason why it felt it felt a bit like. Um, when he hurt Moldovsky, it reminded me, you know, the new Scream movie just came out. I'm sure you'll be going to see it I at am, some yep. point. <laughs> and um, it reminded me a bit of like a, like a, you know, a slasher when <laughs> he has the slasher or the the killer has one of the victims hurt as he did to Moldovsky. And when he was able to just kind of jump straight in the mount and he oh, just threw two my. elbows and the second one had Moldovsky out cold. It was bad. Like yeah. it reminded me of like a like a killer, just like a couple yeah. stabs done. Yeah. Like it reminded me of a, a slasher movie. The way hit that finish sequence kind of came about. But what a win for Linton Vassell. Dominic, he's five and one now at heavyweight, and that was his only loss. That was his debut at heavyweight. Yeah, and he just wow. redeemed it. First round finish. He, before this, he finished Tim Johnson in the first round. Four of his five wins at heavyweight have been via TKO. Mm. So, or KO TKO. So, I guess to me, like, he's I want to see this. I think he needs to fight Ryan Bader. And I think that's an awesome fight. Vassal is 39 years old, but I think the move to heavyweight has kept his career, has extended his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was. He felt like he was middling out at light heavyweight. He had lost back-to-back fights. He moves out to heavyweight, loses a third one in a row, and now he's rattled off five straight wins. But he looks damn good. And I, I don't know if I even I, Ryan Bader should probably be the favorite in that fight. But man, he, I, I'm I'm not counting out Vassal if that matchup comes to fruition. Well, Noah, we got to talk about this too because, like you just said. He redeemed his first loss at heavyweight to Valentin just now, or on Friday night. Well, part of that two-fight skid at light heavyweight, one of them was Ryan Bader. Oh, I didn't know that. I yes, know that. sir. So, absolutely, that's the next title uh, fight. I must have forgot that fight happened. Dominic, this, Dude, this could be the redemption tour for Lynn Imagine, Vassal. imagine that, man. Three straight wins against top ten, two finishes in a row. He's gonna get to run it back with Ryan Bader up a weight class at light or at heavyweight now. Storylines. We don't get a ton at Bellator, but when we do, sometimes they're fun. There's yeah. one of them. As far as uh, the prelims, was there anything you wanted to touch on there? Uh, for me, I I did Friday night. I didn't get to see many prelims, but I was. If you felt the need to touch on it, I did want to hear a little bit about Barzola Perez because we talked about it on Friday. If you had any takeaways, if not. 
completely fine. Uh, Barzola looked very good. Um, That's what I, I was curious, man. I was. Yeah, and I, di- I didn't realize this when we were previewing it, but this was Barzola moving up to featherweight. So, oh, um, he was yeah. in the featherweight grand three. And I thought he looked really good here. Uh, Eric Perez was definitely game, but it just felt like Barzola was a step ahead the entire fight. And, okay. Um, yeah, we'll touch on it a little bit more in the bet oh, yeah. portion. Oh, yeah. I bet on that. My parlays, but. Yeah, so that's it really for the Bellator. I mean, shout out to Dovletzan Yakshi Muradov getting a win over Julius Anglicus as well. Uh, that's big. That, yeah, no, that is. I, I think Dovletzan's a very – he's a very fun fighter to watch. I didn't see a ton of that fight, to be honest. Kind of had to hit the little boys' room for a big portion <laughs> of that fight. But I uh, – so I can't really speak to the quality of the fight. But Yakshi Muradov typically is in very fun fights. and. I don't know if this one was all that fun or not, but he did get a win. He's two and two now in Bellator. I'd like to see him kind of continue. And a win over Anglicus means a little something. I know Anglicus That's is top a five for a title fight, but you know the best name in MMA, Dovletzan Yangshi Muradov. Don't forget it. There you go. Uh, let's move on, Dom, to the below average bet slip. Ah, shit. Wish we could come to you guys with a uh, better result here dominic off top do you have the calculations as far as what our end result was for the week do you have that on you uh that's gonna have to be up on the screen here okay. but i i mean i can well, give my individual I, I know i know that we had a minus uh weekend. Yeah. um yeah dominic i know that when i was doing the bet slip before specifically 2022 there were many weeks where i you know didn't do my best. I had a lot of losing weeks. I did not have a great 2022 MMA betting wise. And you, you know, kind of carried the ship a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. You you tried to keep us steady. So I cannot fault you for having a bad week here because I've had so many myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm bound to have a couple more. Mm-hmm. But what I can fault you for. The lack of preparation. Dominic, I noticed it this week. Mm. Mm. I could tell he felt like it felt a bit like when I was in high school, I would always do my homework 10 minutes before the class I was going to. That's what it felt a little bit. It felt like your bets were coming in without a ton of thought behind them and was just to to, to get them in in time. Mm. Do you have a response? Do you have a rebuttal to this claim? I well, it's gonna be UFC specifically. O and three for me on that card. I think for one, that's a fair assessment, and it is. I actually do regret taking two guys from the contender series. One that was debuting, the other who had debuted prior against Jalton Almeida and taking them inside the distance. I regret that one. Now, the over one and a half parlay, I don't regret. I, I Henry Gravely was like the lock of the night for me at over one and a half. I should have just threw $1,000 on that to happen. But Nam Silva, I had, you know, shout out to our boy GC on the MMA hour. He's been huge on the flyweight unders. I should have known that when he put out the under two and a half, who am I to go and take the over one and a half. Now, granted, both can happen in the same fight and both hit, but I probably should have stayed away uh, from that one. So, I mean, I guess 
out of the four total parlay legs, I regret two in a way, but I think I've had a lot worse beats than this weekend. I'm not mad at you, but I'm very disappointed. And again, it's, it's not the losses. You could have won every bet on here, and I'd still be telling you. While you're honky-tonking it up in Tennessee, half-assing your bets, I'm in the lab, Dom, Yeah. for hours on end. Yeah. I want you to look yourself in the mirror when this is over. Mm-hmm. And I want you to I want you to figure out what kind of sports better do you want to be? <laughs> okay? Yeah. So you do that and we can uh have a have a you know, we can come back to this uh for next Friday, but are you are you going to be the 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 sports better who's just happy with uh you know, a couple good weeks here and there but is always losing? Or do you want to be the goddamn best sports better in the world? Now, as far from my picks, oh. um, I did end up with a slightly positive day, but I think that's offset by the fact that I had maybe the worst parlay ever. <laughs> three leg yeah. money line parlay, all three losers. Yeah, that's Peter Jan, Saeed Nurmagomedov, JJ Aldridge. Only one of those was even close. It happens. I'll take yeah. it, you know, hey, um, the Bellator heavy favorites parlay. The only one that I thought was risky on that was Enrique Barzola. And he Dude, pretty- I saw you have that. I'm like, oh, shit, because I had the other same three legs. And I'm like, if mine hits and his loses because of Barzola, I'm going to fucking cry. Yeah. I, I was going to yeah. bomb it. I was yeah. Gonna bomb it <laughs> yeah. I have this mindset since I've come back where I refuse to do minus money parlays. I remember. Like I just, you, yeah. Meanwhile, Dominic had three minus money parlays, but I mean, hey, but yeah, different difference of mindset here. Right, right. But since I've come back, that's been like something I just can't do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, if I have a minus money parlay, I'm doing it wrong. Like I gotta, mm-hmm. there's gotta be a. If you're gonna do a parlay, you need to be doing it for plus, plus. money. That's that's in my head what I've accepted. Yeah. So that I mean, luckily it didn't cost me with that one. But Barcelona was the one that I was, because truthfully, Dom. I am so happy. The only other option I thought to put on there was Moldovsky. Oh, and I'm ooh. so happy that I didn't do that. Mm. Um, I felt more confident in Barzola, but I didn't even realize going in this was a featherweight fight. Like, I, yeah. there was a lot of room for that one to blow up in my face. It didn't, thankfully. Uh, I mean, is there anything I really regret? Ryan Spann, money line. Like, I mean, the man looked like he had a submission locked in for 45 seconds. Yeah. At plus one forty five, I would take that every. If that fight got ran back ten times, he'd probably win five of them. So, the plus money. If it, if the odds were reversed, I would have taken um, Krylov. So, I mean, it's that's just the way it was for that fight. Um, Davy Grant, shout out to him coming in clutch. I took him money line minus one thirty. He looked like he was going to drop the the fight on the scorecards. It was Sunsell even had a point deducted mm. at round three. Then he goes for broke, lands a beautiful, beautiful spinning back elbow, I guess, or spinning back fist, I think it was. Drops a Sun Sal, is able to lock in a reverse triangle attempt. Chokes him unconscious. Mm. Um, I mean, Jesus, just what a what a performance. But 
yeah, I mean, I overall went like positive, I think just over a unit or something like that. So, so far through two weeks, and I had big, big positive weeks, but I'll take it. You know, two greens in a row. That's a good yeah. confidence boost. My, my best work seems to be like off the bet slip, like boxing, I've done really well on. Mm. And then I had the live bet on Alexa Grosso. Oh, last yeah. Week, so, yeah, like I, I need to just kind of try to hone in some of that, some of that energy a little more because I want to get, I want to, Get a little more big positive. Uh, yeah, know? I want big weeks. For two yeah. weeks, I'm like one, probably close to two units positive, but not quite. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's something personally I want to try to work on. But yeah, I'm okay with it. So now, Dominic, uh, we will transition into the only way we could end this show. We don't mm-hmm. know any other way. Nope. A little segment we like to call closing statements. Point of show where me and Dominic talk about anything and everything. MMA related or not. So Dominic, instead of just opening it up to you, I want to start by asking you, do you actually have something for this closing statement? Like, is there something you came prepared with? Um, not, uh, cause I, mean, I, 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 I want to throw you one cause I have something I want to talk about, but then I realized there might be two things I want to talk about. Okay. So I want to give you one if you don't have something planned. Honestly, mine wasn't going to be great. So I'd prefer to take both of yours and go. Would, so do I that. feel like we should, Talk about the retirements from the weekend. We did not actually. Uh, we probably should. We probably should. Yeah. I'll let you talk for it, though. Yeah. So obviously, I got to see the Benson Henderson one. You know, what a legend, honestly. Underrated career at this point. Thank I you. think he's a guy that through time people have forgotten his greatness because so many fans have came in, including myself, after his time in the UFC was pretty much done. Yeah, and even before the UFC, the WEC days into the UFC, into Bellator, you even said on Friday had more Bellator fights than UFC fights. Dude's been around for ages. He's always hung around the top echelon of lightweight and uh, really never even like faltered away from 155. I feel like he was always in that weight class. He fought for a Bellator welterweight title, actually, at one point. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, he's fought for three titles in Bellator, two lightweight (sighs) titles and a welterweight title. I mean, it really is an underrated career. I'll be curious to see if he ever gets that uh, notch into the UFC Hall of Fame, but here's the problem. This is a guy that if we had an all-encompassing MMA Hall of Fame, I feel like it would be a lock. But does he get into the UFC Hall of Fame? No. We shall see. But what a career, man. Hats off to him. It sucks he goes out that way. He had high hopes. He wanted to win that Grand Prix and go out that way. But as it always goes in MMA, that last fight usually never goes well. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes for the other guy that I'll let you touch on. Yeah, Rafael Sunsau also retired after his fight with Davey Grant. Tough way for him to go out considering... You know, we got choked unconscious, and it was just kind of a weird mm. stuff that happened there, the fence grab and stuff. He felt like he was on his way to probably winning a decision, but it's the name of the game, man. Mm. Not a lot of guys go out on top. And yeah, for a Sun Sal, it's, it's somewhat tragic in some ways. Like, depending on how you look at it, I try to put a positive spin on it about how underrated of a career this guy was in terms of being just a staple at the top of the Bantamweight division for the better part of a decade. Mm. Has wins over current champ Aljamain Sterling and former champion TJ Dillashaw. Fought some of the best of the best in the division. But never fought for a title. Never won a title. And, you know, that's kind of a shame. I felt like at at a certain point he was right there. Every time he got right there, he just – 
he would lose. Like he lost mm-hmm. to Marlon Marais on a one of the very first ESPN Plus cards, and he was probably a win away there from fighting Henry Cejudo for that bantamweight title. Before that, I think at UFC, was it 200 he fought TJ Dillashaw in a rematch and TJ got the win? I can't remember what card that was, but that was another one. If he wins, he might be the one fighting yeah. Dominic Cruz next instead of Cody Garbrandt. So, always right there. Yeah, so always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But I do think he had a very good career. Um, obviously a skid on the way out, but you know that win over Victor Henry showed that I, I think even if he – had continued here. He still had some wins left in him, but just not fighting at the same caliber that he once was. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, both guys, great careers. Benson Henderson should be a future UFC Hall of Famer. I don't know if he'll be one of those guys that gets in right away. Yeah. Another Hall of Fame he should be in, Dom, is the Toothpick Hall of Fame. Um, I'm not what? sure if you're the Toothpick Hall of Fame. That's a thing? Well, do you know, uh, you know about his history with the toothpicks, right? I you're gonna have to enlighten me actually. Oh, you don't okay. So he fought many of his fights through his career with a toothpick in his mouth. Um what? <laughs> yeah, uh, look at yeah, you can go look it up. Like in his mouth. He would keep it in his mouth. Like I guess he was it was just a habit thing for him. Like he just always had a toothpick in his mouth. How the hell and did then, that get cleared by the people checking well, on I, it? I, I, I just think it was it was just in there with the the mouth guard and whatever. Like wow. I don't know. That sounds so dangerous, doesn't it? But yeah, wow. like because I remember it was after one of his wins. You know, Joe Rogan comes in and goes to interview him, and I think he even addressed it. He's like, "You have a toothpick in your mouth." Like, wow, you just fought with that. <laughs> I learned so, something new today. Yeah, so you should look into that because that's something that a lot of people have kind of talked about with Benson. So there is no such thing, as far as I know, as a toothpick Hall of Fame, but. He would be first ballot. If first ballot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing more gangster than fighting with the toothpick in your mouth. I mean, the only thing better to do is fight with it hanging out the whole time. I mean, yeah. that yeah. would just be nuts. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly logistically how that works. I, so many things are going through my head right now. I wish I could <laughs> explain them. But. Yeah, well said. Uh, for my closing statement, I have a confession. Okay. Uh, it's not one that gives me any joy. Okay. Yeah, I just feel like it was a big overlook by me. I'll admit a bit of a blind spot in my MMA fandom. Okay, here it comes. Okay, yeah, I got you. you know, these guys that have these backgrounds in wrestling, like I tend to know what a guy's background is in, but I don't always know where they went to school, hmm. you know, things like that. A lot of people do. I have talked on this show about my time, the week I spent in Kearney, Nebraska, and how much I hated it, how it's the worst city on earth. And Dominic did not once bring up that Cardi Nebraska is responsible for two of the better MMA fighters in the world. Kamaru Usman and Rafael Stotts both wrestled at the University of Nebraska Kearney. Wow. I guess it's a bit like how, you know, a lot of these state schools have like, I don't know what you call them, like a satellite campus or a community yeah. campus. Regionals. Yeah. Regional campus. So, uh, Carney has a regional campus of University of Nebraska, and that's where Kamar Usman and Rafael Stotts wrestled in college. So, now when you texted us that, it was funny, by the way. What like led you to find that fact? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> so it's interesting that you bring that up because, um, 
I was listening to what was I listening to? I want to say it was the MMA Ringer show. Okay. I think. Could be wrong. Mm. Was it? Now I'm second guessing because I've been listening at work. I've gotten to a point. I went on a big deep dive of Joe Rogan's old uh, yeah, yeah. Mike companions. So it might have been one of those. Actually, I'm thinking it is. No, it was one of those. So I was I was listening to one at work. It was a fight companion where Kamaru fought um, the the Viking guy who he said afterwards that was only 30%. Oh, okay. He was on Dana's yeah. shit list for a little bit. And um, after the fight, they were all like, you know, where did he wrestle? They're like, he was a All-American, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And Jamie, you know, the guy behind the, yep. the screen, he looked it up. He's like, oh, he wrestled at uh, Kearney, University of Nebraska Kearney. And I was sitting there like, holy fucking shit and then i believe in that same conversation they're like i either uh, somehow i thought they also said rafael stats like maybe it popped up on the screen or something yeah or something and somehow i came to the conclusion that both these guys went there i looked it up it's true and i just feel like it's so crazy like could you imagine if we had like a real big following and i brought that up and did not say that and people were just like People that do know that shit are probably just at home. Like, do these guys not know? Like, do they not know? Or did like I understand that like it's not a big deal to know that kind of stuff. Like, we know what their backgrounds are in. Yeah, yeah. But knowing where they went to school, I mean, come on, let's give us a little bit of slack. But like, I full on went on this rant on an MMA podcast about Carney, Nebraska, and in my head had no idea that there was an actual connection mm. between the UFC. It might have been on the very same fucking card that we talked about one of those two guys. Yeah. Small and world in a lot of ways. That is a great. And during that week in Carney, you spent, if you would have known, you could have went to the Hall of Fame for their school and probably both of them are in it. So. I would have been, I, well, <laughs> if I would have went to more of the city, like more restaurants or something, I wonder if there would have been any like, you know, like signed pictures or yeah, something. Yeah, like in like, the I local places. Yeah. Like I wonder if those guys have actually went back there because I can't imagine they have very much. <laughs> Based off what you told me about that city, probably not. Yeah. But you never know. But um, yeah, that's it. We're out. We're only just two of the below average Joes. I don't know. I meant yeah. said that out of order. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> I'm just going to let Dominic keep up the, <laughs> the deuce. Uh, we're out. We'll see you on Friday. <laughs> there it goes.